0: Welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. My name is DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 21. This week, my guest is Richard Hayden and he uses real-life places to inspire his writing and he's a really nice fellow, so stick around for the interview section. At my desk this week. Well, at my desk this week, I've been fiddling around and sorting out the new graphics tablet. I think I mentioned a little while ago, how I bought this thing and hadn't opened it because I really felt that I shouldn't start a n- something else without finishing some of my other work or getting to a place in it in order to reward myself with opening the new graphics tablet. Anyway, I have finally opened it. Hurrah. And uh, it is amazing. It took a sort of a morning to get it set up and a bit of a rejig of my office because there's not a lot of room in there. And uh, I found a table that we'd used for working from home situation during the Covid and put that up and put a cloth on it. And I've got the big graphics tablet on there. And my husband was around and was able to help with the cabling up of this thing. It's quite a palaver. But anyway, I've got it going and um, got the Photoshop on there and um, I haven't really done anything else with it except for getting a document up and having a bit of a draw. And having a little bit of a drawer on it made me just laugh because it reminded me of something when I was a child. My dad had a little home office because he kind of ran this little electronics repair shop from his house. And um, within it, he had a, one of these great big old fashioned typewriters. And I think in order to keep me out of his hair while he was supposed to be keeping an eye on me, he said, come on, teach yourself to type. And so he would get me to sit there and and do the A, S, D, F, G over and over again, as you do, you know, left hand, right hand and all that kind of malarkey. And um, funny enough, when I got onto computers years later, I found that I could still do that. So it was probably quite a good thing to learn. But anyway, I digress. But what made me laugh was whenever my dad was faced with a new piece of technology or typewriter or something like that, and he was write something to test it, if you see what I mean, he always wrote the same thing. And what he wrote was this. He always wrote, the time has come, the walrus said, to speak of many things, of shoes and strings and sealing wax and cabbages and kings. No, no more than that, just those first few lines. And I think it's from Lewis Carroll. Anyway, happy days. And it made me laugh because um, I do the same thing. If I'm sort of testing, my see if my batteries are working and my remote keyboard. Blow me down if that's not what I write. And then it made me think because faced with this new piece of technology, this graphics tablet and the blank piece of paper, or the virtual blank piece of paper, I started to draw and I realised that I actually do the same drawing if I'm doing something like that. And I always draw this same horse. His face is left, he's rather cartoony, he's got a very long and tail. Sometimes I make him into a unicorn and uh, it just made me laugh because I thought that's very funny that I've drawn this horse and while I'm kind of fiddling around with the pressure of these pens and seeing you know if I want to adjust them or anything... Um, It made me laugh because I just drew this horse again, again, again. Yeah, so happy days. So we've all got these weird things. So let me know if you've got some weird thing that you do if you're testing some. Anyway, do come along and meet Richard Hayden and uh, let's have a chat with him. Okay, right. I'm delighted to welcome on the Words and Pictures podcast this week, Richard Hayden. Richard Hayden writes young adult fantasy and he's got two books out. The Folly on the Hill, The Statue of Moe. And the trilogy will be finished next year. So welcome to the podcast, Richard. How are you? you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Hello.
0: Well, it's lovely It's lovely to talk to you because we both write fantasy, although I write dark fantasy for adults. And so you're writing for the, the young adult genre. Um, what, yes. draws you, what draws you to this genre, Richard? Um,
1: do you know, I think it's the genre that I read the most or listen to the most. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, actually. Um, I think it's one that I can I enjoy engaging with because i find them fun i guess you know not necessarily happy and glossy but just fun and entertaining um and i think that's what drew me to it as a genre i had the idea for the story and it evolved into a young adult story so so i kept it there i guess i could have made it darker could have made it younger but it just sort of felt like it fitted in that in that slot
0: yeah I think sometimes the stories tell you where they need to be to be honest and and yes. and that's that the thing I'm writing at the moment is is much funnier than anything I've ever written before okay uh, and and um, and that's that's quite bizarre for me because um I usually write quite serious stuff but I'm really enjoying writing a bit of a romantic thing that's a bit, that's a bit funnier yeah brilliant so I'm um, looking at your stuff and I see that you seem to have been really um Uh, influenced by a real life folly tell me about that Richard.
1: Yes you're absolutely right so I I used to live uh, in the village that it's set in uh, which is a village in in Staffordshire called Malkop and on the top of it it has a folly uh, which is an ancient structure that doesn't really I think the actual definition is that it's a medieval structure that doesn't serve a proper purpose it's not a castle because it's not big enough to be a castle. It's too small to be anything. Um, so the the common theory is that it was built as a summer house. Oh. And the inspiration I had for it one night back in March 2019 was that when viewed from above, it looks like an old style lock. You know, we have like the barrel and then the teeth at the bottom. That sort of like T-shaped sort of thing. It looked like that. And I started thinking that it might have been deliberately built that way and was protecting us from something or protecting something else from us, that sort of thing. Um, and that's where the idea came from, in a genuine flash of inspiration one night when I couldn't sleep, um, <laughs> in all honesty.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think it's good. And do, do you find if you can't sleep and you have flashes of inspiration, do you, do you get up and do something about it? Or do you just yes. lie there no, like me and mull it over and hope you still remember in the morning?
1: Um, I tend to write it down, I think. So if I was to rewind my mind, I think that a lot of the of that book, because I, I created it as one book and then split it into three parts. Um, I think a lot of that was created as a pencil outline, probably within a couple of days, because I just had the ideas about what I wanted to do, not in any detail. You know, I'm not saying I wrote the whole thing because at that time because I didn't. But in terms of this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen, then that will happen in a couple of days, and then I broke it down. So yes, I absolutely did that, and because of that. It was pretty much written in the notes app on my phone over that first sort of forty eight hours, and then once I had that, I turned it into a proper template that I can use, and then I started writing and creating that story.
0: yeah, and how long does it take you to write them the two
1: so each three each third each book took me about three months. If. That's
0: that's quite quick, I think. I think I think that's very good. did you was, had a, Have you got writing in your background that you've managed to do that no, in? in, in no. what I feel is quite a short time. I think I took uh, ten, 10 uh, years over my first one. There,
1: a few people tell me that, and I do. Yeah. I feel sort of um a little bit imposter syndrome or guilty. For no, saving, don't, but don't.
0: Was, no not No, I, you're, genuinely... you're obviously talented. That's rubbish <laughs> that's <laughs> not, We're oh, not doing yeah. imposter syndrome here. That's, there's <laughs> okay. no room for that on the okay. Words and Pictures podcast. You absolutely Bye, okay, deserve we're it. Talented yeah, no i i think
1: I, I had some things working to my advantage so at the time i was traveling a lot for work so i was staying away in hotels every other week for a week and there's not a lot to do when you're staying away with work so i had the best part of two three hours a night every night every other week where i could just sit there and do it with no interruptions because i'm on my own in a hotel room somewhere in the country um so that helped and i Maybe it's not a traditional way of doing it, but I even though I had that pencil outline, I just went with it. So what you said earlier around how stories just sort of evolve and end up where they end up. That's how I did it. So I'd start each chapter with, "Okay, my characters are here. I need to get them to there. Let's just see what happens. And I let it flow. And that's how I got that first draft down. And when I say sort of three months, I mean first draft. I don't mean edited and refined and tidied up and neat and I literally just mean words on a page here's the story now let's start tightening it together um which is what I'm now doing for part three uh, just to get that finished off so I can release it next year
0: yeah you've got a release date in your head or
1: Not yet. I'm trying not not to hold myself to it because I've had a very busy year because we got married. I've moved house this year as well, which is why I have boxes of stuff behind me still. So I don't want to tie myself down too much, but it will be early next year. I would say January, February time.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think the thing is with indie authors, I think it's nice not to kind of give yourself too many deadlines unless you have to. I mean, sometimes I write for magazines and if I get like a a, like a stretch of work, you know, if they want me to write three or four articles on something that I've pitched for them, I'd much rather give them the whole thing straight away. Editors love me because I actually don't want to be doing that. that silly nonsense of you know the third friday in the month for six yeah. months no, I get that. it's just too much of a it's not where i want to be you know maybe it was because i was a teacher and my whole day was marked out into half an hour blocks of exactly what i had to teach it and could do be. It could and it be. just yeah, no, it and now sense. i'm just not playing that game no, no you're not
1: playing ball you're doing absolutely. it to your agenda your schedule exactly. no I, I understand that i think you could yeah. be right
0: um
1: mm. i think it helps with that
0: so it'll be ready when you're good and ready absolutely yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. title got your title
1: Um, I have. i tell you what, let's do this and I'll give you the exclusive because I haven't told anyone the title of the third one. So, as you said, the first one is The Folly on the Hill. Second one is The Statue of Mao. The third one is The Guardians of Imaginary.
0: Lovely. Yes, because you're calling the whole trilogy the Imaginary trilogy. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the name of the world in question.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And yes. So there you go. There's the exclusive. That's what the third one will be called.
0: I like it. It's good. It works for me. Yeah, really good. So tell me about the statue of Mao then, because is that a man-made thing or is it, is it a structure, a natural structure?
1: So it's a natural structure that's evolved over time. Um, and again, it does exist on that hill. It is a real thing, a real, a real uh, thing that's there. Um, and from some angles, he does it like a man. The actual name is the old man of Mao. Um, and he looks out over Cheshire because Mao Cop sits on the Staffordshire and Cheshire border. Um, and the old man of Mao is looking out over Cheshire. So I used that because the, uh, the antagonist in the story is the man of Mao. He's not a nice man. And that's one of the things that he created in my story uh, as a statue beholden to himself. But in the real world, it is just a pile of rocks. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's a pile of rocks that from some angles sort of look like a human figure it's probably a stretch but it is there um on the same hill
0: yeah fascinating yeah and, and and did you have the um the 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 statue that statue of the man of Mao. did you have that in your in your head straight away as long as long as well as the folly those no. three things is there another real is there another real place in the third book
1: um so it'll still take place around the same hill there isn't uh, a thing like that. There's not a locale like that, like the folly or the statue, because the third one sort of ties everything together. um And obviously, I mentioned the title. That references something that is revealed through the books uh, in terms of, of what's going on. So it's not a place as such where the third one happens. So it won't have that sort of um iconic cover that people can go and hold a book up next to and go, "Oh, wow, well, that's that." That won't be there, but it'll still be based on that hill in that environment. Because that's where the whole story's grounded.
0: Yeah, it's good. So, so uh, is it a multi-character, um, multi-point of view? Um, no, it's um,
1: so it's centred around a, a teenage girl called Eleanor or Ellie uh, to us, who's a girl who moves to Malcop and ends up getting drawn into uh, that that sort of confrontation, that battle with that antagonist. Um, so sort of the reluctant hero I guess is the way you'd word it all she wants to do is lead her teenage life but that's not going to happen because of everything that's going on and I think of the three books so I think part one is around faith and doing what you think is right even if it doesn't feel right or if everyone else disagrees I think part two is about choice and the fact that we can't necessarily control what happens, but we can control our reactions to it and how we then respond with it and deal with that. And part three is about consequence in terms of what happens after those choices.
0: Yeah yeah it's good sounds like you've really really had a good think about it because i think if you've got those kind to. of a, uh, underlying morals and things that are happening i think that's what makes the story really work so what's next for you richard if you get this out in january yep. have you got the next thing in your head richard hayden I, or, or are I you do. just gonna enjoy or, or are you like me i've got several stories that are just backed up yeah. and it's just whichever one comes to the surface next really. it,
1: is, it is difficult isn't it because I, I do have an idea that i've sort of started sketching out something completely different and would require a lot more uh, design at the beginning to to map out and create those ideas, um, because that would be creating an entire world. Whereas with the Imaginary series, because it's based in our world, a lot of the groundwork is already done. You know, if you say to someone, they live in a normal family house, everyone can picture a normal family house. If you're creating an entire world, whether that's another planet or whether it's medieval times or dragons or whatever, you've got to lay a lot of foundations. Otherwise, it just doesn't fit, doesn't work. So that one idea would require me to do a lot more groundwork. And there is also the possibility that one day I could come back to Imaginary, to be honest, because even though I'm really happy with that trilogy and the way it's going to go, I do feel there would be more to explore if I wanted to. It's cl- it's a closed loop. I'm not leaving it on cliffhangers or anything like that. That'd be really cruel. I'm not doing that, but I could go back to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I well, I think it. we always know what happens next. You see, that's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's not the. the and I always think, say to people, people go, oh, "Where do you get your ideas from?" And and that's kind of immaterial, really, because the ideas aren't the problem. Getting them executed that is the problem. You know, yeah. I've got give you ten right. ideas on 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 a on a cup of coffee (laughs)
1: it's just yeah it's
0: just that's if you've got that kind of mind i think that's that's how it is so i was
1: going to say it's about being able to trans transpose what you're visualizing onto the page so that other people visualize it in the same way yes yeah and sometimes you can have a really elaborate idea in your head and as you start putting it down you realize it won't work because you need to spend four pages explaining something to make this one thing work and it just makes it laboursome to so end up taking it out so it is that balancing act that's how i see it anyway
0: but yeah yeah i think I it is because i think you, it. you it's a case of not not um taxing the reader too much so that they can just enjoy the story without being lost in a load of description. when you write fantasy i think you've got to really rein yourself in you know because you think oh this is a great idea let me explain this religion that i've invented yeah. and then you think actually actually no six pages in the delete yes absolutely. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. select that's all it.
1: go away carry on
0: yes that's it exactly that yeah uh, yeah i think i think that's very true Okay so Richard because this is a words and pictures podcast I have to ask you about your book covers do you do them yourself do you get them done does your friend at the road do them so okay so how, the how do covers, they how do they come into the world
1: um okay so the book covers are pictures that I've taken obviously not the lightning in the background that would be very weird um a well, picture of the, fu- <laughs> well, the I'm, I'm, actually... I'm
0: ready I'm here for you mate whatever you want to do
1: <laughs> no uh, so no Although interesting, when the storms hit a few weeks back, someone did send a picture to BBC News that is almost identical to my book cover, which is artificial. It was very, very strange. I did enjoy that, but um,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) So, but yes, anyway, to answer your question, so the pictures are mine. The covers themselves were designed by me and my now wife. We we tinkered about with them, we played, and then we sent them out. We're quite lucky that we've got a close circle of family and friends that are creative in many different ways. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we sent them out and then sort of canvassed those opinions and made those changes. So whilst ultimately we had the final say, I had the final say, we had the final say, it was a group effort to say, well, actually, this looks right. That doesn't change this, move that around. And then once we landed the first one, that sort of gave us the template for the second one to do the same thing with a different picture.
0: Yeah, and um, I think it's quite nice to keep them. I think if you're writing in in series, you you need to, you need the three books or however many books you want to write to, to look of a piece. They need to come together. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really My OCD a really wouldn't allow thing. me
1: to do otherwise. <laughs> it would yeah, not allow yeah. me to
0: do otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I'm 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 quite autistic. I do my own covers um, because I'm also an artist. But I, but I have to have them so that they look together. And, and like you say, with your friends and family. Um I one of my both my daughters are very artistic and one of them's in advertising. I'll always send my stuff to her or better still if she's round, she'll come and she'll just give it all a bit of a tweak. And actually I don't know what she does. And it's still my thing, but whatever she's done to it, suddenly it looks a bit better. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Just she does it just, up a little bit. Yeah, I she get just that. has and a little I... fiddle with it and goes changes a font or moves everything to the left or I yeah, don't know, absolutely. you know, and, you know, or, or just says, oh, mum, take that shadow off. That looks crap. You just need it. You need an art editor. It's very important. People I think people you need those uh, eyes. You need eyes I mean, on it. Yeah, absolutely. You need those
1: eyes that are independent, that are not attached to it, because ultimately the book cover is obviously it's the first impression. And I know you shouldn't judge books by them, but people do. But you do. It, yeah. It needs to stand out. But you also need to show it to someone who knows nothing about the story. So, in the same way that I shared my book with a group of people to help me refine that, I deliberately showed the cover to other people that hadn't read it because I didn't want any preconceptions of, well, I've read the story, so the cover makes sense. Yay! Because the majority of people, it's going to be the other way around. The cover's going to then need to fit after they've read it. It can't only make sense if you've read it, sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah, and I, I've seen yours, and I I, I like yours. You you are very oh, creative you. and artistic. I'm a little bit envious, but
0: <laughs> well, you're very sweet. Yeah, well thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you like them. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah it's always a it's always a big it's a big job the covers. I think I mean, that's my second lot that are on there because um, I've been around for a very long time and I'm rather old. Um, but there, uh, you know, I I wouldn't be above changing them again in another couple of years because I think. Trends change, and I think you you sort of have to move along with it and and um, absolutely. have a look We discussed current. that
1: on one of your other episodes, I think, where you were saying around yeah. sort of uh, refreshing them and doing different editions, and and I completely agree. And i I think it's the right thing to do for the right reasons. I don't think we should just do it. oh we're bored one Sunday afternoon. Let's change all the book covers. I think. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I did actually. Uh, do you know, what? okay. Then here's a question for you. you can tell me if you think this is a good idea or not. Obviously, I was going to release part three as a third book but then I was also going to do one combined one with a different cover on so you could then get one anthology with them all in with a very definitive cover on the front what do you think
0: yeah I I think I think you could or you could do box a box set you can do a digital box set quite nicely you know if you're not thinking, thinking about the the digital box sets are um not that hard to do I, I've done it for my thing they're popular people like to buy the box set yeah. you know I mean it's not available as a physical form but but it is in the digital so talking about audio um, Richard you like to listen to um, stories and I'm always listening to podcasts I don't listen to audio books that much I might listen to something if I um, particularly uh, if I've got a long journey or something like that I might get yeah. something typed up but I do listen to a lot of podcasts of, of you know lots of writing stuff and Creative things and what have you, um, and I'm ch- I really want to get my stuff out into audio. Um, yep. How about yourself? Have you got yours in audio yet?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so parts one and two are out there, on on Audible and iTunes and other places. Yeah, um, I did it through ACX. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and met a wonderful narrator there called Emma Heap, who has done a phenomenal job reading those stories and has brought them to life. In a way that I don't think I ever could. Um, she's, she's sort of breathed life into the characters. Um, I will say it's very, very strange listening to someone read your own book back to you. It's a very surreal experience. Yeah. Um, because yeah. obviously I, I work with Emma. So I give her the book, she reads it and then she sends me the chapters. So I sit here and listen to her read it whilst I read it at the same time. Um, cause that's the only way I can do it. And it's so weird because she will have picked up on a mood or a tone of voice that I hadn't thought about and I'll hear her say something in a certain way and I'll sort of pause it and go, actually, that is what that person's mood would have been right now. But I haven't described that. That's just the way it's come across. And it is very, very strange. But I know I love those audiobooks. And I, yeah. I would recommend ACX.
0: Yeah. Oh good. Right. So that that's an interesting thing. Yes. No, I haven't I've I've um, narrated one of my children's books and I've got it all there, the files. And have I actually got it loaded up yet. No, I have not. Okay. I've I've just never got around to it. And I did it like the beginning of this year. And it's just sat there and I just thought, oh, you know, it's just yeah, there's just too much to do, isn't there? But this is the trouble. Yes, definitely. Um, So Richard, do you publish wide or are you exclusively to Amazon and ACX and all that kind of Uh, thing? So at the
1: moment exclusively to Amazon. So Kindle and paperback for the books. And then I think through ACX the audiobooks are on Audible iTunes and obviously through Amazon, directly yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, just exclusively through those.
0: Yeah, I think it's a very. It's very hard the um, wide or exclusive question. I mean, I I did the wide thing and I I couldn't make it stick to be honest. There's just not enough hours in the day to be advertising on kobo and trying to sort that's out the issue. To digital. Time. Yeah. There's you just no time.
1: No. I, I work full time. I obviously I. I like to go out and do things, so I don't want to spend my sort of whole day working and then whole day advertising social media interaction pushing it around it, it is hard yeah um, so I, I suppose you could say I ticked the, the the more straightforward box
0: yeah and I that think way. that's fine I think it's fine to do that how does what does your writing day look like as a full- time worker and writing as well how how what how does that fit into your day How do you make it work? Do you mostly write so, at the weekends or
1: interestingly I only write at the weekends if my wife is working that weekend I will give myself a break over the weekend and if she's around and the reason is is because I work from home so where I'm talking to you now is my office this is where I work what I don't want to do is sit at my screens five days in the week and then sit down at them again Saturday and Sunday for a long period of time so what I tend to do is I'll either write in the morning before I start work if I'm up early enough and my brain, because sometimes I wake up and I'm just sort of awake, like a light switch, bing, okay, let's go. So I might do it in the morning.
0: Mm, lucky you, I'll that's never happened to me ever. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, I don't get that. My wife's
1: not a morning person either. No, <laughs> she, me neither.
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh no, oh um, no, no. no.
1: So, yeah, so it's either in the morning before work or in the evenings after work or after she's gone to sleep. The exception is if I'm on a roll, or I've set myself a target that I want to hit and I'm trying to force myself through it in terms of, no, I need to keep this momentum going. So when I, as I said, I'm working through part three at the moment, I'm doing a chapter a day. So it's just right. I'm going to sit down, do a chapter, then I stop, then come back to it the next day because I find that keeps me fresh enough for editing. Cause I find if you, if I get too tired while I'm editing, the quality starts to, drop massively it's just an attention thing I think um but yeah that's the best answer I can give really before or after
0: yeah that's that's good I I wish I was one of these people that could get up well I've got a writing friend and she goes oh I get up another hour earlier and I get some work done and I'm like my brain just isn't functioning at that time of day you know I'm all right sort of late morning by the time I get up and I do like all the boring chores and get all that done and I take my dog for a walk and and then by the time I've kind of got back about half ten from walking the dog, then I'm drinking coffee, and then I'm like, ah, oh, now, <laughs> where was? Now I? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm now ready. I'm ready. Yeah, no, but I can't. <laughs> I can't do anything first thing. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would rather get up a bit later and stay up a bit later, and perhaps work a bit more into the evening. Sometimes I'll kind of work a bit in the evening as well because it's kind of a good time for me. But then, you know, when you're married, you kind of do feel you should see your spouse at yeah, some point. I think yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. I think it also depends on what sort of um day I've had. If I've had a particularly long, busy, tiring day at work, sometimes the last thing I want to do is carry on in air quotes working into the. So it is that sort of that balancing act. Yeah, but I yeah. do agree. It ultimately just depends on when I'm free and when I can do it. But I do also do it late in the day, like you're saying as well, if yeah. if I can.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's, uh, it's always a, it's always a balancing act, even, <clears throat> I mean, I I do this full time now, but, you know, even so, you know, family life encroaches, other stuff happens, you Absolutely. know, and, and, uh, the, you know, it's surprising how much will be eaten into your day and just taking up to actually get the writing done amongst everything else that you're doing, the advertising and the podcasting and a bit of artwork or writing a magazine article or something else. And yeah. then you think I've actually, you know, sometimes I can go a whole week and think I've not actually worked on my work in progress. Mostly I've just done other writer's yeah, shit. Absolutely. I completely, I can relate yeah. to that. I and understand that completely. Drives you mad. So are you mostly just, I've, I've noticed you've popped up on TikTok.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only very briefly. because I, Yes,
0: I, I saw you there and I thought, ah, oh, hello. <laughs> you're, you're, you just yeah. just jumped in there. I've not been on there very long, a couple of months, that's all.
1: It's something that I'm Weird, isn't it? Trying, it's a weird space. Yeah. I'm trying to, reach into because i'm aware that it's a good thing and I, I know that people tell you know i'll say positive stories they've had good interactions they've even got a few sales out of it etc etc and i so so I, I i set up the account at the same time that i set up my official ones for twitter and instagram because i wanted to have the same handle on all of them yeah. so i just set up the yeah. tiktok account and set it to hidden and then over the last couple of months people started talking to me about it a bit more so i've just started I say started experiments. I think I've posted twice, (laughs) maybe half a dozen times, something like that. And I'm just going to sort of try and figure it out. Um, I know someone else you had on your podcast was uh, offering some tips and things like that. So I'm going to dig those out so I can start digging into it because I do believe it's something I should be doing. Because I mean, ultimately, I, I wrote the stories for me. As I mentioned, I wrote them because they helped me kill time in a hotel. So I didn't write them because I wanted to be a bestseller and this and that obviously if that happens then yay you know I'm not going to say no but the more people that can find it the better so I don't mind pushing those sort of boundaries but equally as we just said what I'm not going to do is put myself in a position where it's like right I finished work at half five so now it's half an hour of Twitter time and then it's half an hour of Facebook time and then Instagram and then TikTok and then we're we'll going to bed because that yeah. won't work either
0: no i think this is i think this is the thing and i think if the social media isn't if you're not finding it fun it kind of shows in the in the timeline you know so I, so i kind of do it when i'm in the mood and i i kind of i do like twitter i make a lot of connections on twitter i must say probably because i've been on there forever and i do i do make a lot of connections on there and i quite like to um you know, I, most of the podcast people that I get on are because I know them on Twitter. I, yeah. I don't find I make that connection on TikTok. However, I do make book sales on TikTok. Right. Um, so, you know, so and I quite like the humour on TikTok. I'm quite happy to do daft things on there and muck, yeah, muck, muck about a bit. Yeah. And, and, I, and I kind of feel that as I'm writing this new thing, which is, like I say, more humorous than I've ever written, I kind of feel that this is going to be, I'm going to have a lot of fun in a minute. Okay. Each one has its own thing. I've never really... Had much traction with Instagram, and I don't know why. I don't. I just. I I put things on there every day, but no.
1: I I agree. It's probably the one I post on the least. So I've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and as you say, say TikTok. Interestingly, I find the groups I talk to are different. So Facebook, the majority of interaction I get on Facebook is people that live in this area. So live in the area that the book is set in. To the point where I actually. I went and hid some copies of the book around the folly. Brilliant. And within half an hour they'd gone.
0: That's and what I you have do. no
1: idea how that happened. I didn't I was expecting them to still be there for a while afterwards and I yeah. was getting messages from people saying we've gone to the spot but they're not there and I'm like I only put them there 20 minutes ago. <laughs> where, where have they gone? Um so I went back and checked and people had taken them. So that's my sort of Facebook interaction. Yeah. Twitter is There's some really lovely people on Twitter. I've made some real friends on Twitter in the writing community, and and I love that. And I guess that's probably more, at the moment for me anyway, that's more the creative writer side of interactions. So maybe, as you're describing, TikTok is the way to tap into readers, because ultimately writers are great. But they're not necessarily the target audience to buy lots of books. So, the target audience to write lots of
0: books. Yeah, I've heard this a lot, but I, I beg to differ because okay. um, so you're going to write, you've written three books, okay? Yes. And you, you, you're probably going to write another 10 more. I, I might do the same. But how many books do you read a year? I definitely read a book a week, probably two.
1: We all I wouldn't read a go lot.
0: I you, you all read fair more enough. than you can ever write. So, we're all readers. I, I think it's all That's good. That's a fair point. I think That's it's all good. Point. I don't worry about it. I think it's, I think it's all good. And I find, you know, people come on here and they have a chat, and then I, I quite often read what they've written because I'm just curious. And then, and I think other people that are listening to this come in as a, come in as a as a writer, but then think, oh, I wouldn't mind reading that thriller or that. Absolutely, you know, think so. I, it's all about so, sharing
1: yeah, the knowledge at the end of the day, isn't it? And if yeah, people exactly. don't know If people don't know it's there, then they won't. so I don't mind talking about it but I yeah as I said I set out with a very clear goal which was for because the way I viewed it is the internet is a scary horrible place and as long as I found one person just one to find my book that didn't know me and told me they like it so they've got no reason to be nice to me no sort of preconceptions at all then I would take that as a win and that happened for me I've had people from Uh, from America, from Germany, Australia, message me, leave me reviews on Amazon saying that they enjoyed it. And that's all I wanted. That was it. So that sort of made me content. That made me happy that that happened. Anything else is a bonus for me. So the more I talk about it, the more that might happen. And we'll see.
0: I think it's a very healthy way to think, you know, if you just, if, if a few people enjoy your stuff and, you know, Get, get what you wanted them to get out of it and, you know, be entertained and moved, Absolutely. Or, you know, all, all of that kind of thing, then that's that's what it's all about. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Well, it's a bit like this podcast. I, I just do it because I just like helping along other people, you know, within this space, you know, in whatever stage they're at. And it's it's just great fun to talk to everybody and, and hear what everybody's got to say about it. Well, it comes it.
1: across. I, I, obviously, I, I found your podcast after you invited me on it and I have I have listened to all of them. I'm up Have to you? date. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um and, and that what you just described comes across. Uh, it really does. Um yeah. so yeah. Thank you for
0: doing yeah. it. Yeah, well, it's just it's just great fun, and I, and I don't think I've ever had a, had a, an interaction with somebody you know on here where I haven't gone downstairs in a minute. I'll go down to my husband. I go, well, he was an interesting fellow, you know, <laughs> you know, because it is it's just fascinating to think, you know, that people, you know, I mean, you're the first one that's come on and said, you know, well, you know, I saw this folly and then I had a dream, and I, know, it's brilliant, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> Thank <laughs>
1: and, you and, very you know, much. I appreciate Yeah, that. yeah but you
0: sort of see that, you know, and you see that. Um, you know, the statue of Mo and you, and you sort of think, "Oh, that looks a bit like a man. And then your, you know, your whole um, imagination goes on and it's, it's amazing what triggers those stories. And it's not just like a little thing, you know, this is a, this is a whole trilogy that's grown in your, in your, in your psyche. And it's, it's fascinating to feel that that's what's happened. And, you know, you've been able to execute it because the executing it is the very hard thing, I think. Yeah.
1: It can be, yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. But I that's very humbling. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It's it's, it's a good thing. Because I think all people are imaginative. and But writers, we do something with it. We, we take it and, you know, give it, breathe I, it life. And I think there's a kind of magic in that. And I think we should all be proud that we've, you know, got that far, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I agree with that. Thank you. Well, where can people find you, Richard Hayden, online?
1: so where can, they, on, where can they
0: find your your stuff
1: so my stuff okay so on amazon you can search for richard hayden um or the folly on the hill or statue mail, and they'll come up on twitter it's r underscore c underscore hayden and then that's the same on instagram and tiktok but don't expect much content on tiktok at the moment but it's the same handle and on facebook it's richard hayden author and similarly to you the profile picture is the same on all of them so that's how you know it's me
0: yeah, and I think that's helpful as well because you can sort of see where everybody is. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on. It's been lovely thank to have you. Thank you for having it.
1: me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: It was lovely to talk to Richard and uh, what a lovely man. And I wish him all the best with all this stuff and I'm sure we're getting back on again next year when he gets that new book out. Anyway, in the meantime, um, my guest next week is Gemma Lawrence and Gemma Lawrence writes historical fiction. So we'll be talking a lot about the Tudors and all that kind of thing. And she was a fascinating character as well. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, I hope all your Christmas preparations are going well or if you're listening to this in the holidays, Merry Christmas to you and I hope it's all fabulous. Uh, Until then, then, until next time, this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and you can find me at www.djbowmansmith.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye bye.